2: This is the Tom Bernard Show, sitting in for Tom Bernard. I'm Dave Schrader, along with... The Best Master, Ralph DeWay-Basham, MD. Andy Bernard.
1: Cassie Schrader.
2: I love the quizzical looks Andy shoots you when you come up (laughs) with the different titles for yourself. Yeah, you're the Best
3: Master now.
2: that's right. The Beast Master, Best Master, Breast Master. Not the Beast Master. Not the Beast beast Master.
4: master. I deny deny Beast Master.
1: He's the D-Beast Master. That's
2: right. We'll be back. We've got more right here on the Tom Bernard Show. can't help himself i can't I love this song i know you do honey that's
1: why i'm playing
2: it they've played they, they filmed this video right here in st paul yeah with uh, uh courtney cox yes yeah. back when she had the boy haircut going on
1: it was a pixie cut
2: is that what they call it Yeah, pixie cut she looked like a boy he looked a boy
1: yeah. yeah well they call it a pixie cut
2: or yeah.
4: page boy that's
1: page such yeah. a great
2: uh, that's such a fun video
4: it was, it was it was really a uh, good creation and it was really uh, really well uh, presented. Well, and it, it presented
2: his point. He hated doing the concept videos, like where you're doing like a storyline. He just wanted to do live vid- live concert videos. So when they're like, oh, okay, well then we'll do this, and they they filmed that. And he's like, I don't think you're getting the grasp of what I'm looking for. And then he kind of took over with his own music videos and and doing the concert stuff,
4: which is the only and, way to release it. And him then now. jumped off into the uh, the whiny uh, Bruce Springsteen with the. Uh, Philadelphia story you. and all that sort of well, stuff. That's because he was
2: hired to do that.
4: We, we didn't have to continue doing it. Why he could, not? Have the, we could have done that. We could on the Philadelphia story. Then he could have gone doing so good music. Just he Philadelphia. Just went to the Philadelphia whiny. story is a different movie. I know but, you know. but but did he do the music for it? For well, he only well, did sound, one
1: song. The Philadelphia. But that, my
4: point, my point is, is that then he went into the whiny Bruce Springsteen when he ran off with the redhead, in his band. You're referring to? Well, I think I, whiny. But, yeah, I went. It was. It's, I miss it, fighting yeah. words in my. And after <laughs> after <laughs> area. that, it was like you know, and the sax player left. I don't know what the whole left. Was. He died, but, Ralph. No, he God died. And, you know, he didn't die right after the Philadelphia song. No, well, he he had separated from his band for a while. Yeah, there was, you go. He, went he was creatively his, trying to do something. I rest my case. And we went into his whiny phase. Because the band <laughs> said, "You're whiny, whiny now. I don't want to play But you know but what the whiny phase
2: came up with? I think two Oscars. So that's not a bad place to be. Two Oscars. Two Oscars. Oh, good for him. He he beat Neil. Neil Young's, oh my god, have you heard Neil Young's Philadelphia song? No. Do you have that, uh, do you have that? I
1: I'll, will not search up Neil Young on my phone.
2: <laughs> Are you, oh, you're, oh. it's, uh, do you have it, <laughs> Andy? I can't uh, even
1: hear
3: it. <laughs> yeah, this is not good.
1: I'm going
3: to skip ahead of that.
1: Nothing is better. <laughs> no. But
2: I everybody mean, yes. was surprised that Springsteen's song beat him. Now so, <laughs> so Springsteen sounded like he was upbeat with his song. <laughs> kind of compared to that. Okay.
4: Yeah. Okay. But Oscars. Well, okay. So he got Oscars. Okay. But still, was whiny. All Wait, right. He you can win Oscars but, for songs?
1: But then he got. Yes.
4: Oh, movie songs.
1: Original, uh, original. And then he got oh. an Oscar for Secret Garden for Jerry Maguire.
2: Yeah. And then he got an Oscar, I think, for The Wrestler
3: with Mickey Rourke. What? So he got four Oscars? Or I how think many, many Oscars? He got three did he get? Oscars. Now that
2: he's well, upset,
1: four.
3: Wait, what's his name?
1: No, he has... Bruce
3: Springsteen. Oh, three. Bruce. We're talking about Bruce
2: Springsteen. And Springsteen's on Broadway right now. So They're he's going to get a his, Tony. He's vying for the Tony. Mm-hmm. That we talked about this. this is, he's yeah, going so to he get the hat trick the, the, or the... All four. Oh, Emmy, Tony, Oscar, and the...
3: Uh... Bruce has one Academy Award, uh, four American Music Awards, whatever that is, an Audi, a Brit, two Golden Globes, two, three, a Grammy? four, five, yes. six, seven, Grammys eight, eight nine okay. Grammys, a Juno, four, five MTV Music Awards, and a Tony. But I don't think he does have. So he has a Tony. He did get a Tony Award. Oh, Wait, is an Oscar got... the same thing as an Academy? Yes. 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 Yeah. Then yeah, he.
1: I think he got like an a special. I just saw a story. Um, some type of special Tony. Where's Kristen? Where's Kristen? Where's Kristen? Kristen, call back. Hurry, hurry. Let me. I'll look it up. <laughs> She's a quitter.
3: She, she is
4: a quitter. We talked about this. So so there's right. there's a. There's a the, uh, a triptych or a quatric or some sort of thing where there's it's like the etos or something I think is what they call it. There you go. Or
1: e-
2: etog <laughs> or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because it's Emmy, Tony, Grammy, and uh, Oscar.
4: Okay. But I can't remember what they stand
2: for. Here, I
1: got the uh, story here. Emmy, here.
4: Emmy, Tony,
3: Oscar, Grammy. Yeah.
4: He
1: already got Bruce Springsteen to. He's to receive a special Tony Award for his Broadway show.
3: All there he needs go. is an Emmy, but I don't think he's ever going to get one of those. Because yeah. why? But that's he? not
2: true. Uh, he he did a TV televised event with uh, Black and White Night with Roy Orbison. So he's done television programs like mm. that that
4: may get him uh, yeah, an Emmy. But but he's never been nominated for a long, long time. They're not going to get an Emmy for
3: that. That's a long
4: no, time. I'm time. That. A long no, time, I'm just saying, though, has oh, he has done TV programs like yeah, that. I see. So he has an opportunity to. Yeah,
3: he could. So wait, what's the difference between the Academy and the Golden Globe? Yeah. Golden Globes is more of like people's choice, right?
4: No, I be- or I is it just like its own thing? Golden Globe is foreign press. Foreign press, yeah. It's oh. foreign press, so foreign press uh, will make their selections mm. on and, you know for, and it's sort of the, the prequel to uh, yeah. the Academy Awards. Yeah, I and see.
1: usually like the people that get nominated for Glo- Golden Globe usually end up being nominated as well for the Oscar for the same thing. That's right. So it's back to back. So many award shows.
2: Have you guys seen talking about weird things? Have you guys seen that they have they're selling this? It looks like a um, almost like a mouse. It's like a, a gel pack. With little holes on it, and you fill it, and then you push it, and it squeezes like you're popping zits. Oh. And it's for people that like to pop zits.
4: Oh, uh. well, that was well, Tom had, uh, you know, the zit doctor on this morning. I was listening to it. I can't believe oh, that she's making. Doctor fort- Sandra Lee, the Pimple Popper. Yeah, I can't believe that she's making a fortune on uh, on inane surgery. It is the most bizarre thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Most bizarre. Maybe thing it's I not heard. the same. Same one, the pimple popper, Dr. Pimple Popper. So she's put up all these videos of her squeezing pimples. Yeah. We're big and small, and people watch this. It's
3: almost like a fetish.
2: Well, it says here's the article from the Star Trip. It says, Ew, gross, why we can't look away from disgusting online videos. Social media offers something for everyone bad taxidermy, pimple popping, cooking fails, and ingrown hair removal, to name a few. Dr. Sandra Lee, a.k.a. Dr. Pimple Popper, has more than 3.8 million YouTube subscribers who watch her squeeze, pop, and pick pimples. She claimed 10 this morning. On the Instagram account, Tweezist, 186,000 followers, which uh, watch ingrown hair being removed. And the Instagram account for Cooking for Bay has made American Cheese Coated Cooking Fails a must-see for its 158,000 followers. Disgusting? Maybe. Absorbing? Apparently. Gross out social media accounts have been showing up on platforms such as Instagram and YouTube for a few years with the popular Dr. Pimple Popper's first post dating to 2014. The accounts now lure millions to watch videos of oozing pimples and baseball sized boils or to scroll through images of vomit inducing diners or dinners gone wrong, then share them for all their lucky friends and followers to see. While we may feel repulsed by this image, we just can't seem to look away. I don't specifically seek out giant festering zits, but if it shows up on my newsfeed, I'm going to watch it, said Rachel Blodgett of St. Anthony. Blodgett, an avid viewer of the television show American Horror Story, started searching, what is this, Tripop, trypophobia?
3: tripophobia.
2: Yeah, trypophobia of v- images and videos after a character in the show revealed her fear of irregular or clustered holes and bumps. What she found online were surprisingly revolting photos of lotus pods, sponges, bees crawling in hives, and makeup made to look like maggot-infested skin. They're disgusting, but I can't look away, she said. I don't know how to explain it.
1: Yeah, I know. I saw a lot of those uh, videos or pictures. They superimpose this. It's like a flower with a bunch of holes in it, and they would make it look like it was on your skin and like lar- larva was like yeah. crawling out of it. But so people thought that was a real skin condition, and were freaking out, and it ends up being a like a flower pod thing. Yeah,
4: I'll go out and look at the guinea worms. Yeah, that a guinea. That's the thing. The, you know, all the, all the other parasites. Botflies, yeah, that bot, kind of oh, thing. Oh, botfly. Got to like a botfly. I know. I've got them <laughs> in my eye right now. <laughs> gotta I got, got a, honey, it, gotta like a bot I've bot got fly. a
6: cancer
2: worm in my ear. No. I've got a botfly in my eye. My wife <laughs> doesn't believe me. I watch this. You know it was funny, Ralph? My mom, this isn't the funny part. My mom was, was dying of cancer, and we're in the um, hospice. And my mom loved ID channel. She loved the true crime stuff. Huh? And so I turned it on for her, and she was, this is when she was coming in the last few days. And uh, the, the nurse takes me aside and he goes, we need you to change the channel. And I said, why? He goes, because in this state, their minds aren't working right.
3: Oh, they think it's real? And he goes, I've had
2: people, when I come in to check their pulse, they start screaming, stop trying to murder me. Yeah. We can't do it. He goes, just put on something else. He goes, does she like the Animal Channel? And I'm like, yeah. I go, My mom loves Animal Planet. He goes, put that on. So I put on Animal Planet, and the first show that comes up is, um, uh, what, what is that? The Monsters Inside, which is about like... Weird infestations Parasitic of bugs and parasites. And, Worms. and I look at him and I go,
4: yeah, this seems a lot better. And
2: he <laughs> goes, maybe we should find something
1: else.
4: PBS. We were having a dinner party one time. <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm
2: just thinking of the botfly in, in, infestation. And in
4: the, in the one couple that were there, we, we were having a nice did nice conversation, blah, blah, blah. I had not had too much wine. I had not been overserved, served But the, the woman sitting next to me uh, said, oh, I think we're going to go to Africa. And I looked... I looked at her and I said Africa I wouldn't go to Africa ever do you know what a guinea worm is and I went through the description of a guinea worm. The other person that was across the table, a physician, leaned forward and says, yeah, a guinea worm. And st- he started to launch in to every parasite that's in, except yep. for botflies, that are in Africa.
3: There's a lot so of them. So much so,
4: he says, wait a second, where's your, don't you have your textbook of internal medicine? He goes up, gets the textbook. He was starting to read chapter and verse out of the internal medicine textbook about schistosomiasis, visceral larva migrans, uh All these, um, Mm -hmm. all these weird parasites and things you can get there. You know, the 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 one that's swimming through your eye and
2: stuff like that. I've got those. You got those.
4: (laughs) I've watched a show about Africa. I'm pretty sure I have
2: them now. <laughs> yeah, th- you, you <laughs> those know, oh, they a hypochondriac are, to the worst you know, degree. The titsy
4: fly and, yes. and and
2: that sort of Oh, oh moving under the skin, these ins- these bugs, and these people are like, I I got something's going on there. Like, you're crazy. I can hear it sounds like rice krispies in my head. No, there's nothing there. We've checked it and then they find out that they've there's some crazy <sighs> earworm that's gone in and set eggs in there, which are now eating cilia fiber near the eardrum so all they're hearing is oh man and i can't i watch those shows now i can't do it anymore because it, it just i i'm positive i've got it there are so many my wife's like honey you've never been to egypt I'm like,
3: but i like toot and
4: i'm pretty sure i've got that disease now
3: egypt can come to you That's
4: right <laughs> so so what's in the do, do we know what's in the what's in the casket that big giant uh, sarcophagus they found that 80 ton or 35 ton sarcophagus Oh, which one is this at the – hang on a second. This is the one that they found in Alexandria in the pit. There was an alabaster head from Greco-Roman period, and the intimation is, oh, this has to be Alexander the Great's uh, tomb. I don't know. I don't have that story. Okay. I do have
2: a, a story uh, in an Egyptian site last excavated in 1900. A significant find. Is that the one you're talking it about? Might be. Archaeologists hope to learn more about mummification mumfic- process. No, no used two and a half uh, or 2.5 thousand years ago. It's only the beginning, is how Egypt's antiquities minister on Saturday described a find made at a site near the. Count, uh, country's famed pyramids and an ancient necropolis south of Cairo. The discovery, which includes a mummification workshop and a shaft used as a communal burial place, is located at the Saqqara Necropolis of Memphis, the first capital of ancient Egypt and home to three renowned Giza pyramids. The latest find was made at a site that was last excavated in 1900 and hails from the St. Persian period Uh, from around 664 to 404 BC. Down the 100-foot deep shaft is a host of burial chambers carved into the bedrock lining the sides of two hallways. There lie several mummies, wooden coffins, and sarcophagi, reports the AP. In the mummification workshop, an embalmer's cachet uh, holding a large collection of pottery vessels, bowls, and measuring cups were found. Archaeologists believe the findings will reveal more about the oils used in mummification in the 26th dynasty. We're in the front of a gold mine of information, said Ramadan Hussein, the head of the German-Egyptian mission at a press conference. Archaeologists also found a gilded silver mask on the face of a mummy in a badly damaged wooden coffin. The mask, the first to be discovered since 1939, belongs to a priest. The finding of this mask could be called a sensation, Hussein said. Very few masks of precious metals have been preserved to present day because of the tombs of most ancient Egyptian dignitaries being
4: looted during ancient times yep no that's a, that's a different story, but learning how they mummify people everybody that, that's always been a bit of a mystery, and more and more technologies would come around to try to explain that uh, yeah that was yeah but do, can you imagine can you imagine you know you know, 5,000 years ago, you know, they would, they would. well, they must have been stone pamphlets. No, they would in papyrus pamphlets. They were passing out. Come to, come to where a mummification workshop. <laughs> <yourself>. That'd be <laughs> open you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of bizarre. Hey,
2: kind of following up on that, new analysis now suggests the Shroud of Turin is bogus. Stains are inconsistent and don't seem to come from a flat corpse. The Shroud of Turin is supposedly the burial cloth that was wrapped around Jesus after his crucifixion. Blood stains on the linen shroud, which are said to have been transferred to it during the three days Jesus was in the tomb uh, form the image of a crucified man, but a new study reported in the Journal of Forensic Sciences finds the bloodstain image was most likely faked. Researchers looking at the blood spatter found that stains appeared to come from someone standing up rather than someone who is flat on the fabric, Science Alert reports. As the researchers put it, the stains are totally unrealistic when compared to that of what they should look like. The shroud, which is held in the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist in Italy, is considered an icon as opposed to the genuine relic, a religious relic by the Vatican, Fox News notes. The church has never weighed in on its authenticity. This is the kind of forensic work done all the time in police investigations. The forensic scientist who conducted the analysis tells BuzzFeed News, even a crucified or hanging person should leave a distinct blood pattern on the cloth, which would be fascinating information to have. The study found inconsistent staining, with researchers concluding multiple poses were used to create the blood stains. So according to this call, yet another person believing it's a fake. We need to take a break. We'll
3: come back with more on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital and equipment loan or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking
0: for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Just like all of you, I'd been hearing about My Pillow and was skeptical that it's as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first My Pillow and I love it because I have a pretty big melon, pretty big head, and my pillow will prop it right up. I can get my neck aligned and I sleep very well because of it. Mike Lindell, the inventor of My Pillow, has a very special offer for my listeners. My Pillow is offering buy one My Pillow and get another absolutely free. Don't delay. Order now. This offer expires August 1st. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146. Use the promo code TOM or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to use the promo code TOM. Call 1-800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM.
2: Nice. Well done, White.
1: Thank you. All the old paintings on the tomb, they do the and
3: Break snow. it down, Andy. They move too quick. They're falling down like a domino. All the buzz are men by the <laughs> Nile. They won the money on a bet. Gold crocodiles... They snap the teeth on your cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Andy has oh, blossomed. <laughs> Look at him go. Andy,
4: you are, we're
1: doing karaoke. Yeah, we're taking Andy out for
4: karaoke night. Andy is like his dad, man. He can remember the lyrics and sing them along. Yep. Did a wonderful I've job. Always
3: been a, I've always been good at lyrics and that kind of thing. Yeah, so. I wonder
4: why. I, there's a genetic thing there. Probably, yeah. <laughs> we were speaking about antiquity. Yes. Now. Yes. The Now. The, the, mm-hmm. One of the latest crazes on the on YouTube uh-huh. is watching you now oh. watching primitive
3: technology videos. Sure. Oh yeah, those are big. Wow. Namely, a guy whose <laughs> channel is literally called Primitive Technology. Yeah. I think. That's right. They, they where,
4: where they start out with nothing, they make a stone axe and go from mm-hmm. there. It is a fascinating thing to watch. Really See, nice. I've never even heard of. You Anyway, watch. So so this so uh, well the story that they spin is this. That and they could be using God knows what. But what they do is they will take. They, they say okay. They pick a spot where they that, where they're going to do something. He they you go know, find he wants the wants to stone. build a hut or something. He wants to like build that. a hut. So or so or something. So he start they start out and they first make a stone axe or a stone hand tool and a stone chisel. Then they go out and with those technologies and with natural products they will go and they will start out and maybe make a, a small shelter. Then they'll. Um, go out and then they'll find limestone they will then fire the limestone to make uns uh, to make uh, is it slack lime or unslacked carbon carbon or ca- calcium oxide they will then hydrate that mix it with sand and gravel that is quick lime. to make, to, to make yeah, quick lime so they, it, so they what they will do is then they make their own concrete they make their concrete they make their own bricks They take the bricks, stack them with other concrete and mortar that they make. They will make a stone structure with a thatched roof. Then they'll go and they will dig a well. They will then take take the clay that comes out of that well. They will make clay structures or or like a, a clay foundry to make charcoal. Take my money. How would is, I watch that. It is. It is, is an unbelievable it's, thing it's to watch. Sounds it's like it'd be very calming to just kind of watch it is, them. Do it this. is a bit like Phil Ross. There's no real uh, Bob, Ross? Bob, Bob, Bob Ross. Bob Ross. <laughs> Phil no. Ross. Phil. Phil's cousin. <laughs> Phil. I'm sorry. Bob. Like Bob Ross. There's no no talking. There's no subtitles or anything. You just watch this with the jungle noises in the background, mm-hmm. whether they're sweetened or not. I don't know. But you you watch this and it is a it is a mesmerizing kind of a thing. It is a very interesting to watch. I would. I'm. It's so interesting to see what can be done, you know, uh, purportedly with a stone axe and some tools like that. It's
3: basically proof that uh, knowledge is very important. That's right. Yeah. So you know that you can do this. Yeah. He he has literally nothing, and he can still do these things because he knows what to do. Makes his own pottery. They make their own pottery. They take, they'll make their own
4: uh, uh, kiln, and uh, made out of clay. They'll build up the clay, dry it, build up, the clay, make, make a giant kiln. Then they'll, then they'll not throw their own pottery, but they'll lay up their own pottery, like a dish or a bowl or mm-hmm. a cup or a thousand different things. They take that, let it dry, put it in the kiln, put the wood fire around it, feed the wood fire, fire it. So they got themselves a ceramic pot. They take uh, sort of reeds, they weave their own baskets and things like that to so carry stuff, to carry rocks, to carry. It very interesting thing to see then you then you go on beyond that then they use uh, there's also uh, some that will do uh, iron uh, iron recovery so it sounds like, like the video things. game craze with things like animal crossing
2: and the Sims Minecraft. And minecraft that kind of thing. just yeah. building and I always thought my kids were goofy and one day I was sitting there and, and they'd gone out and I picked up the uh, animal crossing and I started playing it and also realized like four hours passed. I'd have to fish to go over to the store, trade in the fish for for a painting to put on my wall Mm -hmm. and and update the house. And then you get more money for this. And I I just found myself in this, like, peaceful zen. And I'm like, what did I just do for four hours?
3: There's no real – there's no urgency, that's for sure. No urgency whatsoever. There's no real goal. There are goals, but there's no, like, end goal. So it is just something you kind of – do well, i used
1: to play that one that your mom what is it called heyday or
3: heyday yeah she played a lot of that
1: <laughs> I your that mom played
3: hey, that was on that was on the phone though yeah
1: yeah on a, or tablet. a tablet it was yeah. an app and you build a farm and you farm and you can get animals and... was
3: it heyday or there was another one called farm farmville, farmville. farmville was <laughs> the originator of the, that yeah,
1: whole genre i did Farmville. I, think. I mean i had no life <laughs> But yeah, that's what I do to pass yeah, the time, but
4: video games are one wonderful mindless entertainment. There's just one of the best just like football, just like uh, cheap trashy novels people will read just like uh, watching a you know, watching a crappy movie. I mean, it's just a mindless thing where you just sort of tone, zone out for a while and to take this in. Well, that's
1: what I used to do before I'd go to bed cuz it would help me fall asleep. Yeah. Because I would just, I have so much going on my mind constantly, so I would use that to kind of filter out all the junk in my mind, and then I'd pass. The videos
2: you were just talking about might be something I want to tune into just before bedtime to try to get my mind just into a zen
3: moment. Yeah, but unless you start learning about like, okay, so in order to extract lime from limestone, I'll need these things. Oh no, Andy, you give me too much credit. You'll have to disable
1: Google. I don't want nothing
2: to learn, (laughs) nothing, Andy. You're not going to learn how to
3: extract lime. No, (laughs) learn how to make
2: your own charcoal. Speaking of uh, cheap, trashy novels and Mm. antiquities, (laughs) poisonous books have been found in a library of the University of Southern Denmark. The deadly discovery is echoes of a novel-turned-movie where victims are killed off by the toxic pages of forbidden manuscripts. Three rare books dating from the 16th and 17th centuries have been found by scientists to be covered in a deadly poison. The discovery in a university library has echoes of the novel and film The Name of the Rose, which sees a string of monks in a 14th century Italian monastery killed off by the toxic pages of a forbidden manuscript. The X-ray analysis of the books, held by the University of Southern Denmark, revealed a large concentration of arsenic on the covers. Huh. And these monks would lick their fingers to change the page, and they were infecting themselves with the arsenic poisoning from The Name of the Rose. Wasn't that, uh, was that Sean Connery and... Uh, who was the kid, uh, Cuffs, uh, the young, uh, oh, my mind is gone.
1: What movie?
2: Christian Slater, I think it might have been.
3: The Name of the Rose? Yeah. Sean Connery, F. Murray Abraham, Theodore Shalopin, William Hickey, Michael Lonsdale, Ron Perlman, Christian Slater. Yeah, Christian Slater is kind uh-huh. of his
2: underling in this but it's a, it's an interesting story the volumes were being studied because it had previously been discovered that medieval manuscript fragments had been used has been used by bookbinders to make their covers in attempting to identify the latin texts used researchers found they were hard to read because of a heavy layer of green paint obscuring letters the study of this green pigment layer revealed it to be arsenic one of the most toxic substances in the world An associate professor at the University of Southern Denmark told Fox News, the moment we put the X-ray beam on the green surface, we saw the fantastic high amounts of arsenic. It is likely that it was applied to the books to protect them against the insects and vermin. So you can wipe out entire monasteries. (laughs) Monster (laughs) transcribe. They're
4: like, I'm not feeling so good.
1: It sounds like a Monty Python or Uh, a Uh, Mel Brooks movie.
4: Well, at least it's not Novacek. The Novacek nerve gas. Because there's a the person that died in 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 UK, who got into some of the Novichok that was discarded after the attempted assassination over there, and the person died. Oh, bad stuff, bad acting stuff. So
2: there's uh here's here's a new story kind of following in that vein, and we'll go back into the end. In- well, you know, let me we've got two more antiquity stories, and then I'll get Good. into this medical deal. Bones now confirmed as those of murdered Russian Tsar. The Bolsheviks murdered Nicholas II and his family back in 1918. So, this is a brand new story breaking for us. (laughs) After years of uncertainty, new DNA tests have authenticated bones unearthed decades ago as those of the last Russian Tsar and his family, per physics.org. Uh, the analysis ordered by the Russian Orthodox Church could eventually mean oh. the remains of Nicholas II and his family will finally be given their full rights 100 years after they were murdered by the Bolsheviks in 1918. The Church Investigative Committee wrote in its findings that the remains found belonged to the former Emperor Nicholas II, his family members, and members of their entourage. In order to come to the conclusion, investigators reportedly had to first exhume the remains of Nicholas's father and test his DNA in order to prove the familial link. The investigation concluded that the bones believed to be those of Nicholas II were indeed those of the son of Alexander III. The Orthodox Church has expressed satisfaction with how the investigation has been conducted and church authorities say they'll take the findings into consideration. As the week notes, the remains of Nicholas II and his wife Alexandra and their three children have been interred in the family crypt in St. Petersburg since 1998. The bones of his children, Alexei and Maria, were not discovered until 2007 and remain part apart from the rest of the family pending verification, which also has been ordered by the church. The family was rounded up on the night of July 16th, 1918, in the home where they were imprisoned by Bolshevik revolutionaries after Vladimir Lenin seized power that same year, ending the 300-year Romanov dynasty to which Nicholas and his family belonged. As the story goes, they were mercilessly shot execution style before their bodies were hastily burned outside. They were also cut up beaten, broken and then burned. The Bolsheviks
4: wanted no remains of it, but there are remains, it seems. Right. So, uh, what the bone what they just throw them in a you think they just throw them in, in a, a pit. pit so yeah. so, so uh, why is the church involved? Wh- wh- what's the link between um, the um, bo- uh, I'm sorry. Maybe the, because of the religious the context
2: they want to put the, they want to inter the people in the right places. Okay. And to give it the, you know this is the Tsar Nicholas you can't just throw any bones in and say it's Tsar Nicholas, okay. right? I think so. Maybe what they're doing is just looking for uh, qualifiers to prove that this is who they're okay. burying there.
4: But but they they really. I don't what is the what was the link between the royalty at that time and the church? Was it an important link, or is it just something that the the church would do for anybody? In well, the, in I think Russia? just the uh, in Russia the church is a very important
2: no, factor oh, right. of everything,
4: right? But at the time at the time either, there must have been some sort of a link between the royal family and the church, and and how. That integrated well, element. and
2: when Lennon took over, they they destroyed anything that bared his image, and and kind of yeah. they didn't want to give him any uh, you know accolades or, or any kind right. of idea of what they melted down all the coins, destroyed all the paintings, statues, whatever they could. That's just the way that each one of these evolutions of leaderships would come in since the beginning of time. That's always been the ways you just come in and erase the history that was before you and you become the history. That's why a lot of the hieroglyphs that are found on Egyptian tombs that they think look like airplanes and this and that and the other are actually layered versions of stories that as somebody else would take over, they would chip in new stories and then, as wind and rain and snow and you know all that has come across it, it's changed the the patterns so that suddenly it looks like airplanes and helicopters and and strange images. Ah, yeah, at least according to a lot of the experts, that's well, that what, I is what is going on.
3: That is what they used to do a lot. Uh, that's what a palimpsest is. is um, It's a piece of parchment that they would dip in something to get all the ink off and then reuse it because parchment was like difficult to make, but with stone, that's not nearly as easy.
4: <laughs> that's right. Unless you get hydrofluoric acid <laughs> yeah. to burn it off. The Egyptians
3: yeah. with their hydrofluoric acid and their power washers.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was the one technology we lost. Yeah, that's not part of uh, ancient technology, certainly. Primitive first... technology making a power washer. That's right.
2: the, f- the first drug has been approved to treat weaponized smallpox. The FDA approved the drug, but US officials say there's no immediate threat of bioterrorism. Uh, the FDA has approved a drug that could be used in the event that someone turns the deadly smallpox virus into a weapon, per USA Today. The antiviral, uh, boy, I don't even know how the hell to say this word, Tec- uh, tecovirimat, T-E-C-O-V-I-R-I-M-A-T. Tecovirimat. Tecovirimat, or T-Pox from the pharmaceutical maker, SIGA Technologies has been given the go ahead by the regulator to become an additional option should smallpox ever be used as a bioweapon. Well now that we've we've mentioned that we have the antidote if you've got it and you've weaponized it isn't it easy enough to
4: alter so that it might it might be, it might be you know that be genetic engineering but then you need a host to run it through and that's that might be a little bit of an effort. The so. AP reports that the
2: US government partially paid for the development of the drug which will now be stockpiled. The drug was found to be effective against smallpox in animals infected with the virus and was found safe for use in human test subjects who were not infected. The CDC was quick to assure the public that, despite the new drug to fight it, there is no immediate threat of the virus being used to intentionally kill. Today's action reflects the FDA's commitment to ensuring that the U.S. is prepared for any public health emergency with timely, safe, and effective medical products. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, head of the Food and Drug Administration, said in a statement, smallpox is estimated to have killed some 300 million people in the 20th century, while it was eradicated by a massive vaccination effort that was deemed successful worldwide in 1980. No drug has previously been developed to fight the disease in those already infected.
4: Wow. But drug resistance could occur if it's used uh, widespread. If the the virus is exposed to it, it some uh, some can mutate and then survive and then mm-hmm. that's how you get the drug resistance. So, our we'll,
3: guest is on.
2: All right. Well, why don't we do this? We'll uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got our guest up next. Uh, we've got some more stories to share. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with us tomorrow filling in. I'm Dave Schrader. We've got a host of great people sitting in the studio with us, and we'll be back right after this. Hello. Hey, how you doing?
7: I've been here over a year now. It's going great. That's right. Most everything I do at Priority Courier Experts is local same-day deliveries. Home for dinner every night. I was just looking for something different. I kept seeing those trucks everywhere, so I gave them a call. Yep, Minnesota's largest same-day delivery company, with 500 professional drivers working for customers every day. We are busy. It sure is a lot of vehicles. I guess 21 years as Minnesota's proven same-day leader provides a lot of opportunity for drivers like me. And the more I drive, the more I make. Ah, Go figure. (laughs) Transportation is a rock-solid career choice. Freight moves the world. Always has and always will. Priority is hands down the best move I ever made. Great hours, great pay, and great life. I just called 651-748-4477. They can answer all your
0: questions right over the phone. Getting started is easy. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver.
6: Let's talk about good things. Does your car work? You got a roof over your head? You got kids, parents, a spouse who loves you or a mate? These are the good things you have because you live in America, the country that has more immigration than any other nation on earth. You have these things because the US military stands at a wall and protects you from any person or thing that would take them away from you. The entire volunteer military that stands at the ready, just in case. The greatest fighting force ever known on planet earth. Every person serving in our military is ready to lay down their life for your freedom, and all too often they do. I'm the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation, an organization set up to do just one thing take care of families left behind when one of our brave fighters loses their life for you. We're riding motorcycles throughout the country to achieve this purpose and you can help. Go to goldstarride.org and make a donation or learn where we are so you can come and ride with us It's a small thing we do, it was a huge thing that they did. Goldstarride.org That's goldstarride.org Make a donation today.
2: We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Joining us now for the remainder of the show, Forrest Galante is here promoting the show Extinct or Alive, which can be seen Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's 8 p.m. Central on Animal Planet. What if extinct animals weren't really extinct? That's an interesting question to pose. Welcome to the show, Forrest. Thank you for being here. Dave, thanks so much for having me. It, you know, I find this a fascinating part of, of the world and the fact that things like the coelacanth, which were believed to have been dead for millions of years, suddenly reappear. And, and in Lots. Papua New Guinea, they're finding uh, extinct species left and right, fauna uh, fauna and flora, mm-hmm. and things that do seem to be out there. Are, are you surprised by just how much we thought was gone really exists?
8: Um, you know, I, I don't know if I find it surprising so much as, um, you know, understanding that uh, it's sort of arrogant uh, for us as human beings to just kind of make that decision whether something's gone or not. And then, you know, once it's written off, nobody, nobody gives it much of a second thought. And then once people do, they realize, oh, wow, there's actually a chance these creatures are still out there.
2: Well, what got your interest involved in kind of re-examining these cases to see if there's truth or if there's more out there than, than we already understand?
8: Well, a couple of things. Um, first off, I have a heritage of it. Mike, you, you mentioned the silica My grandfather actually discovered one of the first ever specimens of the silica um, in East Africa, uh, and so that you know that that fascinated me as a little kid. He used to take me to the museum in Salisbury to show it to me and tell me the uh, tell me the story as I grew up over there. And um, you know, so so that always sparked my interest. But I've always been pretty one tracked in the sense of knowing that I wanted to work with. Uh, rare and endangered wildlife and um you know after having a a very good career as a wildlife biologist working with critically endangered species um this was kind of just upping the ante a little bit
2: all right and i know with your season kicking off it's a two-hour season premiere where you explore the the magical and mystical jungles of zanzibar in search of the zanzibar leopard now how long has that been thought to be extinct
8: uh, that's almost exactly 25 years since the last reported sighting of a Zanzibar Leopard.
2: And what does it take to really kind of go back in and, and look at this? And if they think that that was the final example of, of that 25 years ago, ha- have people just stopped looking or stopped reporting on it? Or, you know, what brings you back to reexamine that specific case?
8: Well, each one is so individual. Um, but with the with, with the of Zanzibar Leopard, what it is is, You know, we looked at this island, we looked at the habitat, we looked at the prey species availability for an apex predator. And then, of course, we looked at eyewitness sightings. Are there still, you know, killings going on? Is livestock going missing? Are people seeing them? Is there anything else? In the case of Zanzibar, there's a lot of lore surrounding the witch doctors and the Zanzibar leopard. And and all these things added up to uh, my assumption that the Zanzibar leopard has the potential to still be there.
2: And then you set about to, to re examine and get out there. Now when you do this research and you look at these creatures, what specifically draws you to a story? What makes you think, you know, this is something I want to look into? I mean, of all places, why the Zanzibar leopard? What what was the, the draw for you on that?
8: So look, with three thousand species being deemed extinct every single year, there's a lot to pick from. So, you know, it's not we don't exactly just throw a dart at a dartboard and say, you know, let's go for this one. Uh, We base our research off of viability. You know, what is it uh, that these species could still be there? Uh, Is the habitat conducive to harboring the species? Is there enough protected area? Is there prey abundance in the case of the leopard, et cetera? And, um, you know, once we kind of honed, uh, like, checked all the boxes, so to speak, then we went to Zanzibar, put boots on the ground, and um, had some miraculous results.
2: Was there, you know, in looking across the board and a show I do beyond the darkness and and midnight in the desert, we look at a lot of these uh, sightings of creatures that are, you know, claimed to be extinct or or missing. And yet there's still sightings. And we talked about Papua New Guinea. They've been talking about like a pterodactyl species that still exists. Now, is that something to you that that you find fascinating? Is that something that you would look into? And, And what do you make of those type of claims? Is it worthy to investigate, especially in those kind of remote areas?
8: Certainly. Um, you know, I think you have to realize that uh, a lot of lore and kind of mystical beliefs come into play uh, in certain places around the world, and you, you do have to take some of them with a grain of salt. But that being said, anytime you have a place such as Papua New Guinea, which is an ecological hotspot where more undiscovered species come out of that range than anywhere else on Earth, you have to take those accounts um, seriously, and you have to investigate them. Investigate and Investigating them in certain terrains like Papua New Guinea is very difficult work. It's not just a matter of listening to eyewitness reports and, you know, going for a hike. It's going to these incredibly remote regions that very few human beings of any background have ever been and then very rigorous, very monotonous scientific surveys to try and get a result.
2: All right. Now, what was your, you know, first idea? Where, where did you really want to go? Was there specific animals or creatures that, that interested you that you thought, you know what, this is, these are the type of things I want to look for?
8: Um, well, I, uh, I have a background specifically in herpetology, um, which is the study of reptiles and amphibians. And um, I think one of the first ones that really tickled my fancy was the La Palma giant lizard. And it's a large lizard uh, in, on La Palma Island near the Canary Islands. That, uh, that went went missing, uh, I don't want to misquote, but I'd say about 50 years ago, and um, and then all of a sudden in 2007, there's only one species of large lizard on this island. Some amateur photographer got pictures of these two large lizards walking along the beach, and that absolutely fascinated me. You know, the fact that these these large dinosaur-like lizards had disappeared from this island, and yet, you know, 50 years later, here's a pair of what could only be explained as La Palma giant lizards walking down the beach. So that was one of the ones that tickled my fancy. But honestly, anything, anything that's uh, Lazarus taxon, meaning something that had been declared extinct that been rediscovered or has been rediscovered, really does interest me. Is, is, there,
2: is it mostly man that's wiping out these species, uh, or is it invasive species that we're introducing into these different locations that that are you know doing the majority share of the damage nowadays?
8: Well, either way, the, the short answer is man there, isn't it? Because if we introduce something, right. it's, it's a direct. We're the, it's, uh, we are the cause of it. But um, the, the answer is definitely man, uh, from habitat destruction to, uh, in a lot of cases, hunting pressure uh, to introduced species. I mean, it's, it's a vast range of reasons why these creatures go extinct. One of the surveys I did this season is on the Newfoundland white wolf, and I don't want to dog-like the conversation too much, but the reason the Newfoundland white wolf went extinct because a bounty was placed on this creature's head and they hunted them to extinction willfully and then when i went there to to canada to work with the species uh, they they would not let me interview any government officials they wouldn't let me go see it at the museum because they wanted to kind of cover it up um, in the sense that they weren't proud that you know it was their own doing that had wiped out this creature and they they just didn't want to talk about it so it's funny to see how you know so in some cases we learn from our mistakes and try and correct them and in others we just kind of try and hide them and cover them up and continue making the same mistake well
2: what what can we look forward to in the new season what's going to be going on and what type of uh, exploration are we going to take
8: oh my god i mean it's a fantastic season it's a it's an absolutely family friendly exciting journey all over the world from zanzibar to madagascar to newfoundland taiwan australia um you know, I'm blanking because there's been so many, but, you know, nine different locations, um, all fascinating, all full of wildlife and fun, even some right here in our own backyard in, uh, in Florida. And um, it's a uh, it's a great show. And, and I can tell you that it is there's some cover that are absolutely breaking, revolutionary to science and um, truly, truly inspirational that really do inspire hope for uh, some of these species.
2: Now, and, and people can check out the show. It is every Sunday night, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 8 p.m. Uh, Central Time. And I'm sure being a part of Animal Planet, it's repeated quite often as well, correct?
8: That is correct. It's also available online on the Animal Planet Go app, which um, people can watch more or less anytime
2: all right well fantastic uh, congratulations on the great workforce please keep us in mind as you continue your exploration and uh finding these lost creatures and and lost uh beings it's always great to know that there is somebody still watching for this and that what we think we know is really only the tip of the iceberg there's still so much more that we have to explore and, and find
8: absolutely thanks so much for having me dave
4: thank you i appreciate the talk what we Take think care. What we think we know is an illusion. Yes, right.
1: Well, I'm looking at a picture of Forrest, and this is no illusion. He is literally in clear water, getting up close and personal with a wild crocodile. He's just, the crocodile's sitting on top of a weed bed, and he's peeking over the weed bed, just in their nose to nose.
4: <laughs> he's going to go by the way of uh, what's the guy? What was the guy from oh, Australia? Oh, Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. He's Crikey, to... have a look at her. She's a beauty. Oh. Danger, danger, danger. I know that's how he's going to get that. Mm. You know that's. Oh, well, we hope not. Well, we hope not. <laughs> I we thought, hope I, not, thought, but... I thought you said you were, you were you were you were looking at a picture of him and he was the most. Beautiful specimen. Of I'm ready to have you fat <laughs> Oh, he's, he's, I'm on right here. He's, he's on the eyes. <laughs>
2: is this thing on?
4: <laughs> Let's
2: uh, take a quick look. Local news breaking. Uh, this is terrifying. A Minneapolis daycare owner was sentenced to 10 years of probation. All right, guys. gals. Probation for trying to kill a toddler in her home by hanging him from a noose. You yeah. can go to jail for having weed. You could right? go to
1: jail for spanking your child, probably. But this
2: woman tried to kill a toddler in her home by hanging him from a noose, and she's getting 10 years probation. 43 year old Natalia Caria was sentenced Monday after earlier pleading guilty to attempted murder and third degree assault. She also pled guilty to criminal vehicular operation for hitting a pedestrian. Jesus. A bicyclist and another driver as she fled from her home in a minivan in November of 2016. So not only did she try to hang a child, she hit a pedestrian, a bicyclist, and another driver and fled from the scene. Mm -hmm. And she's on probation for 10 months or 10 years.
4: If she would have done that to an animal,
2: she never would have got out. That's what I said. You know, in some of these cases, when you want a criminal to really go down, right, if you find him with 20 pounds of cocaine... You better drag a dead dog in from off the road and throw it in their house and go, and look what he did to the dog. Because they'll get you for five years on the cocaine charge. They'll get you for 30 for killing the dog. It's crazy to me. I mean, not that I'm saying animals' rights aren't important, but it is funny that how we assess certain
4: crimes. We don't care about children. We simply don't care about children and their rights.
1: Does it say in the news story why the judge gave her probation and not sentence her? No, at this point it just says,
2: according to the complaint, uh, or it says here, the Star Tribune reports that Caria must follow court-ordered mental health treatment and will be on electric home or electronic home monitoring for at least two months. According oh, to the complaint, oh, a father wow, was a dropping off his son at the home when Caria led him towards the basement where he saw the toddler hanging from a noose. He released the child and fled with him. The 16-month-old boy survived. So yes. first of all, how nuts are you that you're hanging a child in your basement? And mm-hmm. another father comes to drop off. You're like, bring your kid down here. Uh, no, don't put him in there. That's the hanging room.
4: Uh, put him in over here <laughs> yeah, right now. That's a cigarette burning room, right? Oh my god, <laughs> horrible! There's a
1: it's a gas chamber and, over here.
4: And, the, and the what ch- in the in the child? What permanent damage has that child received? What what permanent? <laughs> what permanent you well, speaking know, of permanent
3: damage, uh, well, when she was fleeing, one uh, she hit someone's car. Uh, he got out of the car to check the damaged, and then she somehow pulled him into traffic and dragged him for 10 blocks. Oh, my God. And then she hit a bicyclist who had to have a rod implanted in his leg or else have the leg amputated. So this judge is oh, a bad judge. So well, I- but is it the same judge? Well, this is all the same case. Well,
2: if she, if she had. oh, she went on the run after this guy grabbed the kid. Yeah, yep. she took so, off. Oh my God! Well, she has, <laughs> what does this woman have to do? But yeah, she has really
4: psychiatric issues. So this it is a psychiatric case. Yet there are facilities where people like that maybe should be placed until they're safe. Institutional. Institutionalized. Yeah, that's well, the thing. If she's crazy, safe, until there's, we get to a point where you know they can be safe and they can be trusted.
3: Yeah. If she's crazy, then. Um, House arrest is not going to protect the public from her. Well,
1: especially if it's only two months. I mean, with that, I mean, I'm assuming that the defense attorney pled for, you know, an insanity plea. So that means after two months, she can go out in public. What's to say she's not going to go to a grocery store with a bomb strapped to her? I mean, obviously, she's not right in the head.
4: Yeah, really. Yeah. So wow. She likes to run people over, so she'd do the thing on the sidewalk. Or, or something some like sort of yeah. Because if she stops taking her medication. She did it once and he's already pinned her. She likes driving over people. <laughs> <laughs> she, she likes Well, you know, that's that's her modus operandi. That's what they, isn't that what they would call it? Wow. Oh, I
1: wouldn't feel safe with but, her on the streets yeah, at all.
4: But, the, you know, the... I, I feel for her because she does have a psychiatric condition. Yes. We have to respect that, and we have to take care of those people. <laughs> and the thing is, turning just taking putting her on uh, two months, uh, uh, two months consent. Uh, con, when, when I say uh, confinement, is just not enough. This it's going to take longer to get her sorted out to get her on the proper medication. Then you want to keep her on those medications so she doesn't relapse and doesn't get thrown off like this. Well, Poor and- thing. It's awful.
2: Yeah, that's uh what just a hinky jinky story, very strange stuff. Hey, that's it for today. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Tom Bernard show. Tom will be back with you tomorrow. I'm Dave Schrader. You've been listening to the Tom Bernard show. <laughs>